Welcome to Inside Motorsport. It's a very special day in the history of Phillip Island because this racetrack and the Phillip Island Auto Racing Club have now officially hit 70 years old. I'm sitting and we've got the opportunity to talk to Nick Scarcella, who is the president since January 2022. Welcome to Inside Motorsport, Nick. It's terrific to have you on board um, because uh, I wanted you to take us through some of the history of this place because it is an extraordinary track. Uh, obviously, the latter-day motorsport fans know that Lindsay Fox and his family own the track and have done since 2004. Correct, 2004 uh, they uh, took over. The, the history of the track, obviously Pi Arc was the founding fathers, you could say, of the circuit, uh, put together back in uh, 1952, first meeting in 1956 and obviously went through a successful time of having events um, having, having events held, then obviously the, the Armstrong 500 and those sort of things. We then went through to our next era, uh, which a bit of a reinvention, I'd say. Got that, you know, the fantastic, what we're seeing this weekend with Formula 5000, touring cars, and that's where sort of player probably coming to its own, would be fair, uh, with holding events here, and the club aspect of working during the week to make sure the circuit is... Uh, ready to go. Yep. We then had obviously the passing of Len Leakey in '78, which uh, then saw the uh, us move on to a different direction with the club. With the club, and then when uh, Barnard got involved, and we saw uh, 500ccs come back in here and superbikes in the late '80s, it was the opportunity to come back. And from then on, we've you know, held all our events here since uh, yep. sort of '91, and. Uh, yeah, it's just time flies when you're having fun. Indeed. And of course, it was probably best known internationally when um, the Grand Prix bikes arrived here um, and Bob Barnard was involved in the running of the track. Um, as Jeff Bull was just telling us, um, you know, it's been resurfaced twice in recent times. Yes. Um, it's a wonderful track and so many drivers and riders internationally have talked about this place. Um, when you first became involved in it, was when? What year? Was it? My first involvement was, uh, would have been, I came down for a superbike round about 98, 99 it would be. Were you riding? No, no, just just spectating, but I was just in awe of seeing, I can remember being down at turn one and just seeing you know, the Ducatis and the Hondas come through there at you know, 330 kilometres an hour going, I could not believe that something could get through something that fast. I then came down... Um, to spectate for a Shell Australian touring car round in '99, uh, and it was a wet round, and we had cars going off left, right, and centre. And I went, "Hmm, there's all these officials. What? How does that get involved?" So looked up, looked up what the club was and that sort of thing. I thought, oh, okay, well they do motorsport. I want to get involved in motorsport. What do I need to do? I went to a meeting at uh, our club rooms at stage, which was down at Rabin Airport, and met the late great Peter Nelson. And he greeted me and basically said, what do you want to do? I said, oh, I want to race a car. Okay, so you need to do sprints. So this is Warren Reed. Warren, Nick, this is what we need to do. Have you got a car? Yes, I've got a car. Okay, well, you need to talk to this person because I'll show you what you need to do to get the car on the track. And just it just snowballed from there. I you know, can remember coming down here the first time and just being uh, eyes like dinner plates thinking, well, this is incredible. And... I sort of went through multiple vehicles and then sort of went from sprints into racing and then, like many of us, we get families and the racing slows down but you still want to be involved. So back in uh, 2012 I got involved with the board and started from there and 
worked through different various roles to become vice president and then obviously now to be president. Okay. Um, being of Italian parentage, am I right in thinking that your idea of a good racing car is a red one? I thought they're doing very well at the moment. Yeah. Um, good time to be Italian. A very good time to be Italian, but isn't, isn't that saying that you know, at the start of the season you say the Ferrari's going to do very good and at the end of the, by race three you turn around and say, well, next year will be a better year? <laughs> no, look, I, funnily enough, my, I, I love pre-war motorsport. I yep. love the history. Like, one of the big things today was you know, when we were talking about trying to have the history of motorsport here, was trying to get different bits and pieces. So we're lucky enough to have you know, Formula 5000, which has played such an integral part of the club. But no, I um, my family is very much Mercedes, if anything else. So it's been uh, quite a sort of good uh, eight or so years for the oh, family. Okay. But but I certainly do don't mind the red cars. I okay. sort of respect them. And uh, yeah. um, now you were telling me this morning at a briefing this morning that you had a moment where you were saying, right, anyone here from 70 years ago? We did, we did. We just, just sort of have, you know, bouncing things around and sort of going, okay, so who was it, Who was here 70 years ago? And there was people that sort of didn't put their hands up and said, oh, but we knew, we knew, we knew the club. And I was like, okay, well, that's good. And who was here 60? And 20 or so hands went up and then 50 and then there was a big, you know, rising. Then we got to 40 and the 41 was the most, probably the most interesting one out of all of them because we had all the children that had grown up with the club that it then worked through and then they're still around. Yeah. Then we got a bit of a spattering to about the 30, and then we had this next influx of 20s, which luckily enough I'm in. And then we got to 10, and then we got to, well, who's new? And there was five or six hands that had right. gone up. And we, we had new officials here yesterday for their first time. Oh, so, wow. Um, that's a big thing that we're pushing at the moment is our new officials yeah. uh, to get them through because it's like anything. You've, if you don't encourage it, it ain't going to happen. One of the great things that I saw here a couple of weeks ago was the historic meeting here. Yes. And, and that's been something that Pike has done very well for a long, long time. But the great thing was that this weekend you've also got some of those old cars. Yeah, it was, look, a fantastic thing. We, when we were sort of starting to work out what we wanted for our 70th anniversary, and we booked this date 12 months ago because we went, well, it's our birthday, let's do something. Originally it was just going to be a sprint. And then we went, okay, well, maybe we can do some racing. And because of how things have been over the last 18 months, and one thing that we've been very good at is trying to get events happen. We were the first race meeting to happen through COVID number one at the end of that. We were the first event to happen, COVID number two. So it's been something we've been very much... We got very good at writing press releases, cancelling things, I can say that. Yeah. But we thought, okay, well, let's see what we can do. Let's see what, what's out there. And we were talking with uh, Tim Macro yep. about Formula Open, and I think that's a fantastic category to get cars out of sheds. Yes. And uh, Tim and I were talking, and I said, look, I'd love a 5,000 or two, even if you can get me one on display. You know, people, find me a car. And he said, yeah, no, yes, look, leave, it, leave it with me, I'll find a car or something. Anyway, I get a phone call, and it's uh, Peter Brennan. And unfortunately, Peter's not here this weekend. He's been a little bit ill. And he said, look, we'd like to be involved. Said, okay, we'd love to. He goes, we'd like our own race. Said, we'd love to give you your own race. Are you happy to come along? Well, yeah, definitely. And it just snowballed from there. So we've been, obviously, uh, we've other events on this weekend we've been very mindful we had a couple of categories that are normally on state race that said look we want to be part of this and we said no as a shareholder in state race we've got to be respectful for that however this has got a place for people that you know, aren't racing this weekend so it's, uh, it's and it's a good history it's a good splatter to look at what we've got out there at the moment like we've got Formula Open out on track at the moment and we've got cars from 
Uh, I think I looked through the entry list. We got cars from the 80s all the way through till the late 90s yep. and early 2000s. Oh, actually, it'd be more than that because we got some Formula Three cars, which were sort of what, sevens and eights. We've got obviously the five, a good row of five thousands. We've got two litre sports vans, which have got cars that were back from the 70s all the way to brand new uh, BRZs and those sort of things. And then we've got combined sedans with a couple of uh, old Commodore Cup cars punning around. Okay. Um, and tell us now, um, of course, the track uh, bought by the Lindsay Fox family, um, and the one good thing is we know that they were going to invest money in it, and now that's something that has obviously happened. You just don't see anything dilapidated around this place. Uh, look, it's something which... It was always something that was kept with pride, but it just went to a completely new level uh, when Fox took it over. And like, like anything, they obviously have done the re- they, they've looked at what needs to be done. They did the resurface back in 2013, which just transformed the track, and you know, it went from being a, gra- a good track to a great track. Yeah. The grounds, it always looked spectacular. And now the facilities, look, it's something which is very much a... Uh, focus for the customer, be it like us for today's like today, where you know, we're obviously higher, to when they have obviously the MotoGP and supercars and those sort of okay. TCR. Which it brings the interesting question is, that, and it's beyond your time, but um, the impact that uh, Lindsay Fox owning it now for Pyre, yes. um, what, what has that been? Look, it's been something which we've got a very good relationship with Phillip Island Operations and I would say that they are very respectful of our history. We're, we're known as the unofficial custodian circuit because we obviously that we are the Phillip Island Auto Racing Club. They've the been, name says it all. The name says it all, yeah. exactly. And the you know, even just sort of events like this, you know, gracious to... like last, Yesterday we held multiple events on one day. So we had a motorcana, we had a, a hill climb, we had sprints, we've had racing. Now, normally you just can't have the access to do that, but the facility has been brought up to a level and the offer to like, okay, well, we'd like to do this. Sure, let's do this. Let's make it happen. And I think that's the key is that they're running a business. We know that. But they're also looking at the future plan. We know that if we can do this, that will produce A, B and C. There was at one stage, and I remember being here when Greg Norman arrived, that the Foxes had thought of building over on, I suppose, it's the western side, yep. a golf course. Yes. That got kiboshed by the council or by the residents I or believe something. so, yeah. 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 Um, do, do you know of any other development plans that are built around? There, there was multiple things that were passed around, be it uh, there was talk of a hotel, there was talk of the, the golf course. There was even talk of the track being extended. Um, obviously hasn't really sort of you know, come to fruition, whether it be council-related or community-related. Uh, and I think they've just sort of gone, OK, well, we can invest in what we've already got, yep. and they've just sort of built it up from there. OK. Um, and now, obviously, 70 years, I mean, it's only 30 to 100 years, and yep. that's an amazing thing in itself. Um, the development really has happened in the last sort of, I suppose, 50 years, really. Yep. Because in the 20 years, I mean, it was probably Phillip Island came to prominence the first time around was in the 60s when it was the 500 kilometre or 500 mile race. Yes, yes. And, and uh, Johnny Roxborough and the Vauxhall and all, Frank Code and all those sorts of yep. things. Um, did your father come and, and see those? Yes, he did. It's funny. Um, we were actually t- having a chat about that the other day. So he, his involvement hasn't been motorsport. It's been, been my sort of passion. But he used to knock around when he was a kid uh, with several people and he had customer lines. And his mechanic was also the mechanic for Len Lukey. And 
he recites a story that he came down here one day when he was courting mum and on the final practice on the Saturday afternoon, Len Leakey rolled his custom line up Leakey Heights. Yeah, as you would. Uh, as you would. Anyway, they ended up sort of uh, acquiring a vehicle that might have been driven by a family member and uh, putting it on the racetrack, and I know Mum wasn't too happy with it, but... Uh, that sort of was his involvement uh, from there, and it's amazing when you look at the circle of it around now. That you know, here, here we are. That would have been what, fifty odd years ago, and now sort of you know, I stand as the president of a you know, fanless club. Indeed. Um, and tell me just briefly, you talked about how you became an official because you had an interest and you came and saw it. And, yes. Um, when the, uh, open events happen here, such as you know, just recently the Shannons. Yes. Um, Pyark provides the officials majority yes, of? Yes, correct, correct. So, like, for instance, for the Shannon's Round last weekend, we were contracted by Motorsport Australia to organise the officials and, and bring people through. And it's flaggies and... Correct, correct. And, and then make sure that it all fits in nicely, you know, with the medical plans and those sort of things. So we do a fair bit of that as, a, as we'll call it a supplier arrangement. Um, and look, it's something which we work in well with those various organisations like the uh, flag marshals and you know, team medical and, and such, the fireys, to ensure that you know, we've got the right coverage for events and to build up, like I say, the next generation of officials. Yeah, OK. Now, um, today is principally about the members. It's a members-only event. Correct. Yep. Um, so um, you've, you've got cups and awards here to hand out trophies at the end of the day? Yeah, so we've got a couple of things. Because of COVID the last couple of years, we haven't been able to hold our annual awards, the Cody's. So we haven't been able to award the 2019 and 2020 award winners. So we're going to do that today. Um, they've already been announced. But however, it's the, it's the right time to be able to do trophies and that. And then we've obviously done the same thing for the categories. You know, they've been good enough to come out and support us let our members come down and see, so let's give them a trophy. One of the things we are going to do a little bit different is this afternoon is actually allow people to have a grid walk with all the final races. So, you know, you don't usually get up and close to some of these cars. Like, yeah. with the historical meetings, it is fantastic that you can get close to them. So, to, to be able to do that this weekend, uh, it's going to be fantastic. All right. Well, I think uh, Phillip Island has long been known as sort of a people's circuit, so yeah. that is an uh, appropriate thing to be doing. It is, and that was one of the things. We're always looking at what we can do to benefit our members, and it is hard with you know, costs for security and OH&S to be able to have a members' meeting. This was the perfect opportunity to do it because it's a celebration of the club. It's uh, encouraging people to come out. Like we look out there, we've got sort of a good splattering of our club-plated uh, permit cars coming out, and they're going to be on track as well today. Yeah. So we just want to make it so that people can look at it, and I'd like to sort of go with the you know, the, the eyes sort of watering. Well, like I was when I was standing at the fence twenty odd years ago, going, "Gee, I can do that," and let it roll on from there. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Nick Casella, the president of the. Philip Island Auto Racing Club and we'll maybe try and catch you later on the day and see how it's all gone. It'll be fantastic. It's near the end of the day at Phillip Island, the anniversary of 70 years of Pyark. One of the men I've known probably for maybe not 40 years but certainly 20 or 30 is Jeff Bull who has a past president of the club from 14 to 19 and has played a role in race administration and race control over much of the time I've been coming here. Jeff, I'd just like you to hark back on your memories of Pyak and your favourite memory of the time here. 
There's been a huge number of memories, but probably the one that stands out in my mind the most was the first uh, 500cc motorcycle Grand Prix here in 1988 and 90,000 people being on site. That was unbelievable. There was rock concerts going on on the hill on Friday and Saturday night. There was people everywhere. Um, it was just an amazing thing and we sat in the gutter at Will, the place we were staying, out the front of that and watched all the people leave the island and it was just an unbelievable thing. It was sort of a, it's equivalent to the Formula One Grand Prix that I've attended and there's been 30 out of them. Um, yes, it was just a, a fascinating thing and to see the island come of age totally as a circuit uh, with, the, with the magnificent work that they'd put into it and it really, it wouldn't be where it is without that. That, that was the catalyst for the start of these current eras. The modern era, yeah. Yep. Um, one of the things that remind me, I have never been to a, a 500 or a, a MotoGP or any of the bike races here, mm -hmm. but from memory of people around the track, I've heard is they're very different weekends when the motorbike crowd are here. Absolutely. They, 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 one, they don't have traffic jams, and two, the crowd act in a very different way. Yeah, they do. And, and they've, they've actually, they were given a huge amount of liberty back in 88 and 89. They were certainly, uh, the police just gave them great scope. They actually had bikes running up and down, doing wheelies up and down in the main street, but controlled. Um, and, and I thought that was really special. Um, some would see it as delinquent behaviour, but it was actually controlled behaviour. And it was allowed to go on as long as they did what they were told to do. Um, so that, I thought, was just a magnificent thing from the Victoria Police at the time, that they tolerated that. The street was closed off. And it, the whole town was party town, but it wasn't causing any issues. Yeah. Now, you've been involved in the club for quite some time before that. Yes. Um, so tell us about the early days of when you first started here. When I first came here was 1970. Uh -huh. um, as a young lad, <laughs> no, 20-odd year old or whatever it was, yeah. and a uh, 20-year-old in fact, and um, uh, I, I started off, I was running the gates, my background as a banker sort of qualified me that, I think, or everyone <laughs> thought it would because we were handling money, and we actually had some pretty significant money coming in and some very ordinary ways of getting it back to Melbourne. So I, I was talking to your wife earlier, Dawn, um, who's just been awarded a uh, perpetual trophy for her involvement. The, Indeed. Yes, a salad the, bowl, we talked about it as. The Witch uh, Maguire Clubman of the Year trophy, so yep. very special. Uh, she was talking about how one of her memories was being stuck in a cupboard sort of counting money. So yep. that would have been the same sort of era. Yeah, it was, the cupboard was actually a, a utensils room for all the pick shovels and things that we did the maintenance on the circuit, and I had a safe under the desk. It was, and it was secure. A, it was a back room, yeah. No one knew it was there. It was very secure. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a lot of fun, and we did spend a lot of time in there. And then in between times, I, I would do other sorts of activities, and um, such as, you know, lap scoring and things like that. So it, it was good, and it was all good training. Uh, and then uh, in between race meetings, we'd be on a pick and shovel, digging up the circuit and waiting for the concrete trucks to come in with the concrete or spraying the surface with bitumen. Um, all really good character building stuff and things that you wouldn't forego for the world. They were, yeah, they were no, just really great. Learning and, curve. Yeah. And, and it was in the days when we actually owned the bitumen and we had a peppercorn lease from Len Lukey on the circuit, so it was in the second era. Um, I wasn't here in the first, and um, I was a six-year-old when the first race was run, so I didn't see that. 
And my first memories of Phillip Island as a race circuit were watching the Armstrongs on television. Oh, wow. Right. So that was pretty, pretty, a pretty great grounding for it. And realistically, everything for that 50-odd years that I've been involved, 52 years, has been an improvement along the way. A lot of, lot of work, a lot of fun, um, a lot of different activities that we won't necessarily talk about. And, um, yeah, just... Just a, a great memory. One of the things in your time, of course, it moved, motorsport moved from really amateur ranks with yep. you know, a dozen, two dozen, three dozen people involved at professional level, whereas now there are many hundreds, maybe thousands involved in the sport. Yep. So you've seen that occur, and at the same time, the thing that's happened is the professional ownership of this establishment. Correct. So that means that the Lindsay Fox and, and the Lynn Fox Group have done an amazing job in not maintaining but improving the standard of the place. Yes, um, and, and that's happened from, from 1952 when we had the first meeting on, on the 26th of March at the Savoy in Melbourne and um, with the visionary guys and, and Wynne Maguire as the inaugural chairman. Um, Wynne was like that all the way through his life and, and I knew him until he was a much older man and um, a magnificent guy. and he, he started it all with his drive and energy and the half a dozen blokes that he got together with um, on the island to, to make it happen. And it took four years to get it to be a race circuit. And then it was fraught with problems, but it went on until 1962. And uh, when it was closed, because the Armstrongs had actually destroyed the track, there was no money left to, to, to fix it. And uh, the event went on to Bathurst in 63. Um, so there was a few years where we were in a little bit of the doldrums, nothing was happening, and then in 1967 uh, we'd got together, together enough and fixed the circuit and, and got back with a, a tar sprayed circuit. Not great, lots of paint came off cars, but they all had a ball. And that went on until 1978 and it improved all the way through. Uh, in 78, quite simply, Len Lukey died. We couldn't raise the money to buy back the farm, so to speak. And um, so the circuit was mothballed with the historic Grand Prix, the uh, gold, gold Grand Prix, uh, the 50 years of it. And um, so it went into abeyance then. There was a couple of Chabon meetings run by the late Bob Shannon, and they were a lot of fun. We were involved with them. But what we closed it with in 1978, we had that, that Jubilee Grand Prix. We did with the... Um, not the Victorian Historic Racing Register, its predecessor, and um, uh, that that was really really good to to be involved in. That it had a street race around the the, uh, the where the original 1935 circuit ran, or 28 circuit, and then we followed up with a, a race on this circuit on the Sunday, and that was just a fabulous event to be involved with. And at the time, it looked like probably being the last event, um, but we all kept on dreaming. And Bob Barnard, with his great work in leasing the circuit, rebuilt it as a motorcycle circuit, shortened to turn four and a few other uh, small ticks in the layout, but just generally improved it, put the tunnel in under the track and um, really set the place on, a, on an upward path. And I think if it hadn't have been for Bob Barnard's dream there, you wouldn't see what you see today. Um, and, and from then on, Barnard ran it for a couple of years, went broke and went off to Eastern Creek where he got some government money to rescue the thing there and, and the event was lost to Eastern Creek. 
for some time, or Sydney Motorsport Park as it's now known. Um, but that being the case, um, Place Tech, who was owned by Fergus Cameron and uh, Peter, Dr Peter Henderson and their families, they took over the place um, because here's this ready-made circuit on their land and um, so that was a windfall for them and, and it was a great windfall. Um, they knew not a lot about motor racing, or very little, and we got the opportunity to help them bring motor racing here. Um, and so in 1990, we ran, together with the VHRR, the first of the classics, Castro Classics. And we did that for six years before Grand Prix came to Melbourne. We had to bow out of it then because we couldn't run both things together, obviously, and they were very closely aligned in terms of bringing vehicles out. So we took a little bit of a backward step, but we were still involved with um, with the circuit owners, PIOPS, in producing all sorts of racing. Some of them where we were the promoter and some where we were in the promotion with them, um, in partnership with them running the uh, supercar or Group A, as they were then, yep. cars here. And that sort of progressed right through to... This day, we don't have supercars here at this particular point. That's happened before. They could come back. Who knows? But we still have great racing. Uh, we have Island Magic, which is 100% a PIAR presentation, and we've done 31 years of that. I did the first 30 years race secretary without without stopping. So that was that's a, a source of great personal pride to me in the team that we put together to run that event, and it's probably the greatest event other than any national event in the country and greater than a lot of them. So, Indeed. In fact, Island Magic is internationally renowned. Yeah. Um, we've had, you know, thousands, maybe not thousands, but certainly hundreds of, yep. of people bringing their cars from all around the world to compete here. Um, the one thing I'll say, Jeff, is that we know full well that this place is in good hands and you and I might not make the 100th celebration no, of this place. No, definitely not. But um, uh, looking forward to the next time I come here and the time after and the time after that, it's a fantastic venue, and to have had eight days of absolutely superb weather means that no Queenslander or New South Welshman will ever be able to reproach me about Victorian weather ever no. again. So, yeah, that, that's good, and, and look, that's a cross will bear always, but the place keeps going forward. Since 2004, uh, the Fox Group have, have owned the circuit, and they have a very different philosophy, but it looks magnificent. The lawns are always cut, everything's in really good order, they're, look, they're, they're good to get along with. We don't see a lot or have a lot of interference from the Fox Group itself, but certainly their management team here at Phillip Island, first with Fergus Cameron, went on from being the managing director under Playstech to the managing director under Lynn Fox, um, and he kept that, that, that want to have it being the best presented place and, a, you know, just a fantastic circuit. And, um, you know, that's been great. And, and since Fergus has retired, the team that's here now... Um, with Dave Bennett at the helm and uh, Luke Simpson and so on. Just great. They just keep it going. And I think probably with any race circuit, you've got to have changes in ownership in, in hindsight because that's what brings the progression. Someone comes in with more money. You get to a level where PIR couldn't do any more with it as the circumstances were. Placetech couldn't do any more with it as the circumstances were. Lynn Fox has taken it on that step further uh, with their... Their great uh, ethics, I suppose, in running the place and the way they do it, they're very strict about not putting um, things in place until the, the, the money's there. You know, the, the speed bowl there wasn't, or the, the um, 
central track there. Skidpan wasn't there until such time as they had contracts for people to use it. So I think that's just really smart business. And, you know, we're probably all passion as a club. Uh, we are practical too, but, you know, we've, we've been all but bankrupt. Uh, we lost, a, you know, a lot of money, didn't have a lot of money, but we traded ourselves in it, never got taken to the cleaners on it. So we can look back on that with pride we got there. And, uh, you know, we were reasonably uh, successful and stable club. We're financially sound, all of that sort of thing. So we can bring these events on at club level and we can be here to support the major events at a national level. So Indeed. it's fantastic. Pyark has done a wonderful job and will continue to because they've got one of the best play boxes around. Absolutely. And, and we all love coming here. So thank you, Jeff Bull and Pyark, for a wonderful 70 years. It's been great. Thank you. I'm here at the Phillip Island 70th anniversary. I'm with Eugene Arocca, CEO of Motorsport Australia. Eugene, it's a big weekend for motorsport because this club and this uh, circuit has an enormous history. It's been a big three weekends for motorsport if you factor in the... Uh, the uh the historics, the classics, and the Shannons. And, th- and now three weekends of fantastic weather. We've been blessed. It's been fantastic. Absolutely. And right now it is fantastic. It's picturesque. This is Phillip yeah. Island at its very best. And it's fantastic to be here celebrating Pyark's 70th, birth, 70th anniversary or birthday. Yeah. So it's fantastic. It has an international presence because of the bikes. GP bikes to start with and most recently uh, um, uh, super bikes as well and things like that. So that puts it on an international stage, but it's also important nationally, isn't it? Oh, look, it's a, one of our most critical tracks. And in Victoria, it is the best track. And it's no accident that we have some great events down here. And for us, we need more, more venues, more venues. But what we don't need is to lose venues like Phillip Island. And thankfully, with the Foxes in control, this track's going to be around for another 100 years. But it plays a very important role both internationally with the bikes, nationally with, with our motorsport generally, and all importantly, clubs and motorcanas and all sorts of other activities that can be done. So it's a, it's a really important part of that matrix. One of the other aspects of Australia's presence in international motorsport, of course, is the officials. Yeah. And um, as you know, predates you, of course, because it goes back to when the Australian Grand Prix was in Adelaide, yes. um, and how Australia became... Uh, a benchmark in, in terms of the world, particularly in Asia. It talks about the officials. Well, Pyark well, is a critical role. They played a really critical role in that history and reputation. First of all, we had Pyark officials at the Adelaide Grand Prix. We took them over there. Then they came to the... Obviously, there's been... I've bumped into a couple here that have done 35, 36 in a row. But the, the, the experience and the knowledge from Pyark has helped us export that knowledge to overseas countries. So Mike Smith, who you know, um, has taken a number of officials over, PIARC officials included, to many countries, Korea, Singapore, Bahrain, um, Russia even, we don't want to mention Russia, but Russia, and those people have been setting the benchmark for training in officials, and we are considered the gold standard in, in officiating, and a lot of that's due to the personalities like Hink, um, you know, Hink van der Dungen, who many, many know, Peter Nelson. Yep. These are legendary people within the motorsport industry, and so they've given Motorsport Australia real oxygen in that space around officiating worldwide. So we're very proud of that association. That's part of the reason why we're here today, to recognise that fantastic history. And, of course, getting ready, it's only another couple of weeks, and we're back yeah. on the international stage in the Grand Prix world. We're really excited about that. We've missed this uh, 
this event for the last three years, or almost three years, since 19, since 2020, that famous, infamous day, 13th of March. Yes. So for us, it's sort of like a coming out for Victoria and Australia to have a major international event. They're going to get 400,000 people by the sounds of it. They're not going to break any records because of the limits on the number of people they can allow in. Yep. But, but I've never been in the 10 years that I've been CEO had more demand and less supply of tickets than I've had for this one. So people have been asking me, and the tickets are all gone. So You've suddenly been meeting people. Oh, people I've never heard for 10 years, and they're suddenly. And the other thing, Netflix's drive to survive has clearly opened the door for people who had no interest in motorsport, and we're seeing that factor play out too. Because everyone will go to the Grand Prix expecting they can wander down into the pits and say good day to Toto Wolf. It doesn't work like that, of course. But this Grand Prix, hopefully, will turn out to be a really good opening for Australia internationally, and um, and I'm really proud of the fact that we're able to get it back on again and work with AGPC to make it happen. Well, enjoy today, the 70th anniversary of Park, but also the Grand Prix next month or next week or so. Looking forward to it, and thanks very much, Tony. Thank you, Eugenia Rocker. Caught up with one of the women who's been involved in the club a short while. We're only a few minutes on the clock, but um, Lynn Johnson is going to recount a time when things maybe not went to the idea of Peter Nelson, who unfortunately is no longer with us and was race secretary here, one of the great men of Pyark. Another man involved in this story is someone called Harry Firth, who unfortunately has also left this planet. And the third name involved that Lynn will mention is Peter Brock. Now, Lynn, you're recounting a tale. Please tell us about this time. Well, it was fixing the paperwork up and making sure that, you know, all the entry forms were correct. A touring car race? Uh, yes, yes, the whole, the whole touring car race and whatever support vehicles were there. And we had to tag any that weren't correct, so we found that Mr Brock's signature was not on the entry form, as it should have been. So, of course, then they don't get issued with their scrutineering ticket. And in came Harry saying, I can't get my ticket, I can't get my ticket. No, 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 you've just got to fix up this paperwork. And in the room we were in, there was a side window to this office. And we said to Harry, now, you know, go and get Peter's signature and come back and you'll get your piece of paper. Well, Harry walked outside and I had to quickly watch where he went. And he walked around the side of the building where this window was situated, on a, next to the little brick wall. And he was there with a pen in his hand. And I quickly had to say to Peter, quick, 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 have a look at this. And he took one look and went, oh, this is interesting. He said, wait till he comes back in. And, and Harry came back in, it's all sorted, it's all sorted, here's the piece of paper. And all Peter said was, well, that's really nice, Harry. I guess we're not going to get any protests out of you today. Oh, oh why would you say that? And he said, because that's a really lovely view outside that window. And Harry went, okie dokie. And away he went. No protests that day, funnily enough. And of course, yep, and the Peter Nelson you're referring to is somebody who I do remember as, he had a cheeky grin on him. Oh, yes, (laughs) and he did have a smile on his face. And yeah, and he knew the advantage of getting a bit of leverage on something. It was big leverage that day. (laughs) Yes, and 
and also knowing that Harry was somebody who was prone to a protest or two. That was exactly it. So we had, we had a good laugh. And Lynn, you've now retired from your duty actively with Bayer. I, I have, I have. That was last July after 53 years. So only 53 only years? Only 53 years. Oh my God, you know, go back and do another day oh, or two. No, 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 no. I'm done. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for sharing that tale. Um, and we're fortunate, we're not going to get with any legal suits because all three of the protagonists are involved. Yes, exactly, exactly. But, um, but thank you very much for sharing that. We enjoyed that story. My pleasure. It's the end of Philip Island's uh, anniversary of the Pi Arc 70th year of uh, since its foundation. And I'm back with Nick Scaradella. And it's the end of the event. So give us your summary of it. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. To get to the end of the event, we've got smiling officials, we've got competitors that are putting cars back on the trail the way they rolled off. <laughs> more importantly, we've got people that, are, you know, that have hung around to sort of see the presentations and, more importantly, enjoy the racing. So, 100% success. All right. Um, got a good comment from uh, Eugene Rocco talking about how important Payak and Phillip Island is as part of it, and also talking about the officials as well, not just the club and you know the racing you put on, but the part you play in Australian motorsport. So that's terrific to see. Um, obviously, a hundredth year is a, is a while away yet. We, we might not make that, but you know it'll be good to know. What's the next big event for Phillip Island? For this year, for us next, we've got a uh, hill climb coming up, but then we actually hold our round of the state series in May. Then we'll be back here for Shannon's. Then we'll have our August That's access. That's the second event. Shannon's for the year. Second Shannon's for the year. Yep. And then we'll have our August access event, which is more in time to what we've seen today. Yep. And we may even have some of these categories back uh, in April. Oh, sorry, August. Yep. And then we uh, roll out the year with Bowl Magic. Wonderful. Well, we look forward to making it back again to Phillip Island, and uh, thank you for your time and enjoyed every part of Pyark. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.